We are glad to make all of our Jcast Network podcasts free for our listeners. However, they are not free to produce and host. Please consider making a donation to Jcast Network to help support our work by visiting jcastnetwork.org slash donate. Thanks for your support. You are listening to The Tish with Rabbi Michael Knopf, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about Rabbi Michael Knopf, please visit MikeKnopf.com. For more information about other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. All right. Good to see everybody. Thank you. Nice to be back. We have, uh, we have uh, some, some good stuff this week. Um, we saved a, uh, a nice juicy one. Um, so we're on, in our packet, we're on, um, this is, I guess, the third, fourth page in the packet, um, which, if you're playing at home, is the um, uh, fourth midrash in the first chapter of Genesis Rabbah. Uh, still on the first verse of, <coughs> of Genesis, Breshit, Breshit bara Elohim et aretz. Uh, uh, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, or uh, really, as we talked about before and, and a few times, it's really um, the, the first, it's the first clause of the whole sentence. Uh, it's not really a sentence in and of itself. So if you were to look in uh, this version of the Tanakh, I'm, I think that, that the uh, art school version has it as, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Um, but in our version of the Tanakh, uh, it's, it's translated as when God began to create the heavens and the earth. Uh, and then, continu- then there's a continuation of the sentence or a parenthetical, you know, the earth being unformed and void uh, and darkness over the face of the deep and a wind from God or a breath from God was fluttering above the waters or something like that. Uh, and, and then it continues. Uh, so as to say, like, if you were to take that parenthesis out, say, when God began to create the heavens and the earth, uh, uh, God said, let there be light, and there was light, right? So that would be the whole sentence. Um, and so, uh, our, hey, uh, our text here, you're welcome, and here's a Tanakh, you need it. Um, so our text here, um, our Midrash here this week, uh, is, is related to that, uh, the, the sort of ambiguity of uh, the language there, of that opening verse of, of Genesis. So you can see in the way that in your translation, they translate it here, which is uh, a sort of un- unexpected translation. They translate that first verse, Bereshit bar Elohim, as in the beginning of God's creating. So they actually, they play on that idea that it's probably the opening, that's what they say in the article. So they play on that idea that it's really kind of like the, the opening of a longer sentence and not a sentence of an, in and of itself. Uh, and, uh, and, and speaking to this idea of, um, okay, so if it's not, if the, if the text of, of Breshi, if the text of that verse is not kind of like starting at the, um, the, the, the very first instance of a chronological thing. Right, so in other words, there may like this may be this may be among the first things that happens, but not necessarily the first thing that happened, right? Um, uh, so it, it plays in that idea, of saying, okay, if there are things that are happening before 
we are brought into this story of creation, right? The reader is brought into the story of creation at, somewhere in the beginning of God's creating the heavens and the earth, right? That's sort of what the opening verse implies. It doesn't necessarily say like, at the first moment of creation, the first thing that was created was the heavens and the earth. Or at the first moment of creation, the very first thing that God did was create light, right? The first thing that we read God did was the creation of light, right? But isn't necessarily the first thing that God did. So that's the, uh, that's the kind of sensitive reading of the verse where our Midrash this week picks up. Okay? Um, so, people are saying that I'm sideways in this. Let's see if I can be front top ways. Now my top ways? Sort of. Okay. Now my top ways? You can comment on that if you want later. Okay. Um, all right. So that's where we are. Everybody see where we are on the page? We're on, uh, I think, four pages in. Uh, midrash number four. Midrash number four, page four. Uh, it's both. It's Midrash number four and it's page four. Um, is we're about halfway down the page. You see where we are, Franklin? Mm-hmm. Yeah? Okay. Um, who wants to read? All right. Thanks, Harry. In the beginning of God's creating, six things preceded the creation of the world. Some of them were created, and some of them were decided to be created. Right, okay, so just pause there. Right, so again, right, where, where the Torah picks up at that beginning of Breshit is not necessarily, uh, if you're reading that verse very closely, right, it's not necessarily saying that this is the very first thing that God did when creating the universe, right? It just says, we're picking up the story somewhere toward the beginning, Right? Um, so, okay, if that's the case, then maybe there were things that were created before we were brought into the story, and what were those things? Okay? Well, the question that raises in my mind is the first phrase is that identifies God as being the creator. Right. And then the phrase referring to things or events to be decided to be created. It doesn't necessarily follow the way this is set up, that God is making the decisions. <laughs> okay. So if, who's making the decisions? If it's not God, then who? Well, I have no, I, I'm here for answers, right? <laughs> uh, did anybody else uh, 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 pick up on that theme of that idea? That question yeah. rise for anybody well, else? It, it implies that some of them were decided to be created, right. and some of them weren't decided to be created. I mean, there's an implication there. Well, right. Okay, so right. I had the thought about creating these things, and I decided not to do it, right? Um, either that means I decided not to do it altogether, right, or decided at least not to do it now, right? Um, which is interesting, right, to have the idea about doing something but to not do it. Well, but I mean, maybe it. We won't let you get too far into this thing. Some of them were created, and some of them were decided. Oh, were decided to be created. Mm-hmm. Okay. The decisions came first, apparently. No, but I mean, upon. Well, it's interesting. The decision, like, uh, right? Yes. In other words. Uh, 
some things were just ideas and some things were actually creations. Right. Some of them were created, some of them were decided right. to be created. Right. So there's a differentiation. Well, that, the, I guess in my mind, I, 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 I neglected the word were, right? I read it as some of them decided to be created. Oh, right. right. Yeah. Right. No, no, no. Yeah. Uh, listen, I think uh, there, this is, there is a passive voice here which I think is, is confusing. I think that, to me, I would rather not read too much into it. Uh, I mean, you could, obviously, and, and, and it'd be fun to. Um, but I think that what it means here is that uh, some of them were created by God, right? And some of them rose in God's thought to be created, right? Uh, but so God decided... some were spontaneous and some were not. Some were spontaneous and some were pre Oh, well, that's interesting. Okay, so that's another way of looking at it. That's not necessarily what I was thinking, right? Some of them were spontaneous and some of them were premeditated. I would have thought that all of them were premeditated. Some of them actually came to fruition and some of them, the idea came into mind. Uh, but I said, I'm not going to do it now, gotcha. right? Okay. Um, so for all of them, there was a, uh, there, there's an idea about what I'm going to create before I'm creating it. Some of them were left as just an idea for now, uh, but I'm going to commit to to create them later, right? Um, but I think there's another way you could read it, and I'm not necessarily sure which is the right way. It could, it could be that, that, you know, there may not be a right way, but, um, uh, but there's, you know, that, so what would, that, what would that mean if, maybe we need to wait to see what those things all are, but what would it mean if some of them were, were spontaneous and some of them were more premeditated, right? Um, that, that there was just sort of like... What? That would be a huge idea. Mm -hmm. If there were things that occurred spontaneously, because that sort of seems to be inconsistent with the concept here. Why? Well, if you are, if events are happening spontaneously, that seems to imply that what exists at the time we're now speaking, meaning before creation, and we haven't even gotten to whatever the six things are before the creation. Mm -hmm. So perhaps we're sitting here and we're floating in the ethos. Yeah. Um, and if things are happening spontaneously, there's either another actor or there are things of nature which are happening spontaneously. Well, okay. So the, the, first of all, that... That's a possibility, right? That there are, you know, in, uh, that there are things that are happening in nature in the in the order of creation that are not the direct result of divine action. Um, there, there, uh, you know, there's uh, there, there's uh, philosophy and, and biblical commentary, uh, both Jewish and not, uh, that would suggest that, right? That 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 gives space for that to happen. And there's, of course, uh, non-religious philosophy that, uh, that even, even that ascribes a belief in, uh, subscribes to a belief in God, uh, that still nevertheless would say that there are things that sort of happen spontaneously on their own, right? So, you know, the, the most, like Thomas Jefferson was famously a deist, right? right. Which, you know, suggests that, that God sort of like set the world in motion, but then things just kind of happen, you know, in, the, in their regular course of things. Um, but I guess the thought that I had while you were uh, raising those points, Harry, is not everything that I do is premeditated, right? There are some things that I do that are, that, I mean, 
you know, if you if you like, you know, dig into my into my neurons, my my neurobiology and things like that, there there are there are reasons or my psychology, if you don't want to go that sciencey, right? there there are reasons why I do the things that I do, but I'm not always aware and conscious of the reasons for doing the things that I do. Right or 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 why they're you know the the stimuli that that uh, that provoke those things that I do I'm not always aware of all those things um, so to me they're spontaneous uh, could it not be that for God there's the same thing right that there are just things that God does because it's just what God does when God is Godding um, is improv right well it, it's interesting because what I what I was thinking when I said it that th- some things are premeditated and some are spontaneous. Um, honestly, I was thinking just in terms of craft, right? Like if God is creating the world, he's crafting something, right? Mm -hmm. God's making something. And, you know, pardon that. I mean, as someone who crafts, you know, sometimes there are things that happen spontaneously, you know? Yeah. Oh, well, you know, this sleeve might be interesting if I did a nice crochet seashell edge on it. Or do you know what I'm saying? Right. Like some things kind of, or, you know, I've had it happen so many times if I'm knitting something and I make a mistake <laughs> and it's like, do I really want to like rip out this thing or maybe I'll just modify this and then you'll never know that was worth it. Right? So I think that part of it is just, to me, it just it has to do with the act of creating, right? Creating anything, I think, can never be completely premeditated because there are always things that are going to come up. Mm-hmm. Right, so maybe the spontaneous part was God realized, oh well, we need this to balance out this, or we need, you know, right. or not. <laughs> I've got a question. Yeah, Franklin. Right, let's go back here. Are we saying? Are we subscribing to the fact that the Torah was written first? <laughs> okay, and then these the rabbis were one. trying to interpret the Torah, or are they trying to interpret God before the Torah? <sighs> well. So if we if you're going all the way back to the midrash that we talked about on, on you know weeks one and two, that implied the possibility that the Torah existed bef- at least before the creation of the world, if not the, before the creation right. before God came into being. Now that makes um, sense. Now I, I'm not sure if this midrash is is reflecting on that. Although you will see that the Torah is uh, indicated here as one of the things that were created, or. Uh, or that arose in thought to be created at the beginning of the world. So according to this Midrash, um, uh, God existed first. Right. The world is being created, and the Torah is one of the first things that, that is created or is uh, determined to be created in the future. Um, but these are rabbis that are uh, interpreting and commenting on the Torah um, several thousand years after the Torah was given to Moses at Mount Sinai. Okay, so the Torah is given to Moses at Mount Sinai, let's say uh, 1300 before the Common Era. Uh, these rabbis are writing around, let's say, around the year three or 400 of the Common Era. So, so you know, about, uh, um, what is that? About, a thou- about 2,000 years? My whatever, you know, two thousand years, sixteen hundred years, whatever. Yeah, that sounds good. A long time after the Torah was uh, uh, a long time after the Torah was uh, uh, purported to have been written. Um, so, um, sorry, my camera went off. Um, so they're trying to understand the implication of what's written in the Torah. That's where this is coming from. 
Correct. They're trying to understand the implication of what was written in the Torah. Okay. Yeah. This is commentary uh, or, or analysis mm -hmm. of, of what's happening in the Torah. Nancy, you look like you had a thought. Just processing. I'll let you know, though. Um, you know, Chazan's suggestion is intriguing. I mean, it's, it's related to, to the problem that, that Harry raised, um, which is, you know, first of all, it blows up uh, the, 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 um, the theory of, like, intelligent design, you know, that, uh, that, that everything that was created was created uh, uh, with specific intention, for specific purpose, with... You know, uh, um, uh, it does, I think, affirm the reality that whenever any entity is working with any kind of material, there are limitations and spontaneous things that happen, right? So, you know, what, what, what I get from this is the notion uh, that at least in the way that we talk about God and understand God, uh, God is not uh, unlimited, right? Uh, uh, that God may be beyond our understanding, uh, but there are limitations even to what God can and can't do. Uh, and there are, um, uh, uh, there are things, you know, there, there are limitations to what God does and doesn't know. Right? So am I being blasphemous by implying that? In, in my opinion, you're not, because I think that there's, uh, if it's not in this Midrash, there are certainly Midrashim and other texts that, that okay. say that, right. not to mention the Torah itself. I mean, you know, one of my favorite examples of that is that if you were to look uh, in the uh, sequence of events leading up to Noah's flood, um, it, you know, it says that, that God repented of having created humanity. Right. Okay. Right. right? A being, an all—that's a very strange behavior for an all-knowing being, right? Right, but which is fine, and I—that happens to all of us. I decided to have three kids for some reason, and it's a lot more than I anticipated. So, um, but uh, um, uh, uh, but it it goes to show, right? You know, it's the limitations of my knowledge, right? I, I don't know what it's going to be like to have three kids until I have three kids, and then I'm going to deter figure it out. Maybe I'll maybe I'll you know uh, save a couple on an ark and let one fend for itself out there in the water. Um, but, <laughs> yeah. Well, to go back to this idea, that Hassan raised a very good point in my mind. If this is all a perfect situation, then we wouldn't make mistakes. Right. So this is the, and maybe this is the part that they're trying to say, okay, God set all this in motion, whatever that is, and yet we are free, are people of free will, and we're going to make mistakes. And we're not going to do it right. And maybe the same thing holds true with the universe. Yet maybe mistakes were made. And if we're in the image of God, right. maybe this is part of the image that they're speaking <clears throat> There's not perfection out there. Right. You know, I think that that's I think that that's really uh, important. You know, um, uh, I think that I think it's certainly true for me. If it wouldn't be self-revelatory here, I think well, you know, one of the things I struggle with is um, you know this striving for perfection, and it's uh, very inhibiting uh, and damaging in a whole number of ways. And if I were able to uh, to, to really sort of wrap my head around the notion that there isn't such a thing as perfection. 
even God isn't perfection. Uh, I think that that's a really liberating idea. Now it's different to have the idea and to like really kind of like experience it in life. Um, uh, but I think that a, a lot of times, you know, we have the sense that um, God is the, it, that there isn't perfection except for God and our, and our, um, uh, we have a responsibility as human beings to strive to be as, as godly as we can which means as perfect as we can. And I was just seeing, I just uh, saw the Mary Poppins play yesterday, right? And Mary Poppins says uh, uh, she's practically perfect in every way, right? Um, so that, you know, that we feel like our, our goal is to strive to be practically perfect in every way, right? Um, but it's actually really, um, uh, a really damaging thing. So the, the, the notion that even God has limitation. even God makes mistakes, even God <coughs> is, uh, is, a, uh, is, is a profound one. Um, all right, so let's see what were some of these things that were created and, uh, and, and arose and thought to be created. Harry, you want to keep going? Sure. The Torah and the throne of glory were created. What's the throne of glory? Hmm. Anybody know what the throne of glory is? Okay, this is not working, so I'm going to close this. Anybody know what the throne of glory is? It always reminds me of... Yeah, it's a chair. Good. It's where God sits. Good. It's God's throne. It always reminds me of God needs a chair. Which, listen, by the way, if God were perfect, why would God need to sit? Um, well, listen, but the, right, the Torah is the Torah and the throne of glory were created again. The passive voice here is, I think, misleading because I don't think that that the author. I think that the author is just like it's just bad grammar. I don't think that the author um, uh, the, the, that uh, um, uh, this is an um, unascribed midrash. Um, but I'm not so it must mean that it has like antiquity that 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 you know lots of people. Uh, so you assume that we're assuming that God made this stuff. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Yeah. Right. What about right. Okay, so we, listen, we have all sorts of we have all sorts of problems with the with the throne of glory. Okay. Um, what I was gonna say about it is it just reminds me of it's like one of the first episodes of The West Wing where Josh Lyman is very excited in the morning. Everybody watch West. Anybody watch West Wing? Josh Lyman is very excited one morning. He says, "I drink from the keg of glory, Donna." Bring me the finest muffins and bagels in all the land. Uh, so that's what it reminds me. Anyway. Um, <laughs> um, so the next question is a heavy one. Yeah, just before we get to the next yeah. question, but it does, listen, this raises all sorts of questions. The question of God's perfection, right? If God is perfect, why does God need to sit? Okay. Another question uh, is uh, if God if God has no body, as Maimonides uh suspects uh, or, or, or posits, uh, or not only God doesn't have a body, but God doesn't have a form of a body, right? God has nothing resembling a body, Maimonides says. Okay, so then, then what, do, what does God park in that giant chair of glory? You're also assuming that the chair that God would need is the same kind of chair that we would need. Exactly, right. it's a chair. Ah, <laughs> yeah, Franklin. Your hand up. No, no, I didn't. Oh. Um, okay, so... We need beer for this discussion. We do need beer for this discussion. Uh, so much easier. I have, I have bourbon in the office. We can, um, 
It's a little early in the day, I drink though. with this group. All right, next time. Uh, all right, so, um, so, so there are six things preceded the creation of the world. Some of them were created and some of them were decided to be created. This suggests that the two, thing, two of those six things uh, were the Torah and the throne of glory. How do we know the Torah was? Harry? Well, how do we know the Torah was? Yeah. You keep on reading. That's sorry. That was your prompt to keep on reading. <laughs> How do you know the Torah was there? As it says in Proverbs eight colon twenty two, God made me at the beginning of His way. God made me at the beginning of His way. Uh, and I believe, by the way, that we've seen that. Yeah, we've seen that verse. Yes, that was the last uh, verse quoted at the at the first midrash. Um, which, so this goes to show you, by the way, the way Midrash works. They don't really care about the fact that they've already interpreted a verse in a totally different way. They're perfectly comfortable with the same verse being interpreted in a, in a different way for a different purpose. In that case, right, um, it says that God made me, the Torah, the beginning of God's way, right? So God made me the beginning of the, of the, of the way God was going to create the world, right? In this case, that's not what it's saying. It's just saying um, God made me at the beginning of God's way, right? So God made me, God made me the Torah, at the beginning as one of the first things that God created, right? So it's, it's a, they're, they're connected ideas maybe, but they're different uh, interpretations, Right, so the midrash, go ahead. It says God made me as the beginning of His way. Ah, interesting. Yeah, so I think that that's closer to the first midrash, the way it's used in the first midrash. God made me as the beginning of God's way. Right, so God made me. That 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 was just the 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 thrust of that first midrash that God used the Torah to create the rest of the world, right? So God made me as like the blueprint, or God made me as the as the reference guide, or something like that. Um, the Ikea manual. The Ikea manual. Um, uh, in God's Ikea manual. It would be interesting in God's Ikea manual. Because in the Ikea manual, it's always like the stick figure people. Uh, so how would you do that with something that doesn't have a, a body or the form of a body? Um, right. Um, so... Um, Anyway, I, I think that that's worth pointing out in the Midrash, and, and it goes to some, some questions that you asked from time to time, uh, Franklin, or a thread of questions. You know, Midrash is really unconcerned with, um, with the capital T truth <coughs> and the capital L literal understanding of the Torah, right? They're, they're uh, looking for um, uh, um, creative but simple explanations uh, of of what the Torah might mean by the, some of the things it says, and sometimes there are explanations uh, that are meant to you know what what's the lesson we can derive from this, which is also a question to ask yourself as as you read this. It says okay, what what um, these are um, the term we've used before is these are homiletical midrashim. Right? So these are homilies. These are sermons that people gave in synagogue. Right? So, so the, there, there are lessons that are trying to be imparted here. So the question that you might want to ask yourself is, what's the moral lesson of the Torah and the throne of glory being the first things created before God created the rest of the world? 
What might that be trying to teach us? Now you don't have to answer that question now, but, but these are the sorts of things. But, so I think that those two things are really important, though. That, uh, that the rabbis are sort of unconcerned with, uh, with whether this is the right, the literal, the direct meaning of the, of the Bible. Uh, they're comfortable with one verse meaning multiple things, uh, even if they're mutually exclusive things. Uh, and their, their motivation for interpreting verses in a certain way is to, is to uh, draw out moral meaning. And it doesn't, it doesn't seem to matter who drew a particular in, sense of meaning, like, right. like in the Talmud, you know. Well, in, yeah, although sometimes there are anonymous opinions in the Talmud, too. Uh, so you have that in the Talmud, and you have that here, and, my, and, and usually when there's an anonymous opinion in the Talmud, it's one of two possibilities. Uh, one is it's the editor or redactor of the Talmud. Um, so uh, traditionally, that's, that's Ravina and Ravashi, uh, so this is actually two redactors and two editors. Um, so it's their sort of like unnamed voice, the narrative voice. Um, or it's... Um, what? A brighter. Well, no, because a brighter could also be ascribed to a particular rabbi. So usually an unnamed, uh, an unascribed sor- source... So there may be three things. One is that it's the editor. One is that it's sort of like the, the majority opinion that they don't need to, that's not stated by one person. And another sometimes happens is that, you know, there, there are teachings that have such uh, antiquity and authority uh, that they don't even know who first spoke them, right? You know, so, um, so you know, we, of course, we know that, uh, that Shakespeare is the one to thine own self be true, right? Um, but suppose that it was just such a part of the, the language that we don't need to say Shakespeare said to thine own self be true. We could just say as a wise man once said to thine own self be true, right? Um, now, you know, it's not a wise man in the play uh, in, in Hamlet who actually says that. It's actually supposed to be, you know, that's sort of beside the point. Um, <laughs> but anyway, um, uh, I don't even know how we got off on that subject. <laughs> All right, let's get, so how do, so, um, so God made me at the beginning of his way, and how do we know the throne of glory was, Harry? As it says in Psalms 93, colon 2, your throne is established as of old, etc. Anybody recognize that, that verse from Psalms, where, where we come across it in common Jewish practice? Chazan, you should probably stay out of this one. It's in, it's in there. It's in there. It might be in that little book that's in front of you. It is in there somewhere. <laughs> I, can't, I can't pull it. Usually I can like grab those, but I can't get this one. Chazan? Yeah, I don't want to put you on the spot. Yeah. It's the last psalm of Kabbalat Shabbat. Right, last psalm of Kabbalat Shabbat. So right, your, uh, your, your throne is, is firmly established of old. Okay. The patriarchs, Israel... The temple. Actually, let's because we're moving on now to a, a different idea. Let's just okay. pause there for a second. Um, let's talk about the Torah and the throne of glory for a moment. So, um, what might that tell us that those are, uh, according to this midrash, uh, among the first things that God created before God really began creating anything else? Priority. Priority. It's the most. It's the 
Well, here it seems to be the first thing. So, um, that implies to me that that was necessary to be created in order to create more. Well, the that fact is insane. that God knew in the beginning, before he created man, that man was going to need something to go by, that man was going to need a roadmap, that uh, man was not going to intuitively know how to uh, conduct himself or herself. And that's what, this, that's, what, that's what I would mean to think this would mean. That's why the Torah was written first as a guide for living. Yeah, that answers the Torah, but, but what about the throne of glory? But uh, before I ask that well, question... Well, there's, there's a good explanation for that. Yeah. The throne of glory. The throne of glory is to make us understand that there is something out there that mm. did this. And what that is, we say God, but this is the force that, whatever force it takes, it's there. And we need to understand it's there. And that is what's responsible for this whole thing. In other words, it's, it's, it's law and the authority behind the law. Yes. It's the force that's with you. Nancy? And as I was going to say, between both of what they said is, you know, you make things first because you need them to make other things. And Torah is obviously a priority. And then, you know, establishing his own kingship to have the authority to make all of us mm-hmm. is what I would see as the throne of glory's representation there. Good. Okay, so I have I have two questions about this, and I recognize that these questions are sort of informed by the perspective, by my like sort of the context in which I live. Um, the first is about the Torah. How does God know how to write a Torah before there are people to live by the Torah? Right. In other words. Um, uh, laws generally are made because uh, because of a need for those laws, right? Their laws are usually created in response to the way people are behaving, um, uh, or you know sometimes they're made in anticipation of how people are likely to behave. But also often when there are laws that are created that way, uh, you're a lawyer, so you might be able to tell me whether you think I'm right or wrong about this. That that sometimes there are laws are created in anticipation of the way people we expect people to behave, and then sometimes we're right about those things, and sometimes we're not. We need to change the laws. But if you don't have any people at all, um, how do you know how to write a Torah? That's one question I have. The second question I have, which is a related thing, is um, why does the throne of glory give God God's authority? It seems to me that people would be the ones who give God God's authority because if people decided that they didn't want, that they didn't, you know, that the throne of glory you know, don't impress me much, um, then it's sort of irrelevant, right? So why not, uh, why not have as the first thing you create, um, uh, why aren't people the first thing that God creates is essentially what I'm saying. Why, why doesn't God create people first, figure out what the people need, uh, and, and say, uh, uh, say, okay, people, you know, um, uh, need you know, this law, not that law. People need, um, uh, this way of relating to authority, not that way of relating to authority. Are we saying that all-knowing God in that in the prayer somewhere? If, if it's the all-knowing God, and God knows He's making this experiment, so to speak, of people, that people are not going to be perfect, and therefore people have to have a guide to go by. 
Uh, so w- what I would say to that is I'm not aware of, of any uh, biblical or rabbinic text that asserts that God is all-knowing. I'm going to come across it one day and I'm going to bring it up. I didn't make it up. Because that's such a common, a commonly heard, put it that way, yeah. a commonly heard phrase. I would say that that there are certainly places in which God is assumed to know a lot and assumed to know more than people know and assumed to know uh, uh, deeper secrets than people are privy to and assumed to know uh, the way the future is going to play out uh, in ways that people don't, but not necessarily everything and all the time. Right. Uh, but getting back to the to the throne of glory, first thing that comes to my mind is that the people or the person who wrote this way back when had a context and the context in the in the early hundreds um, probably included the fact that groups of people had some authority over them, some human authority. Mm-hmm. Um, there were kings, mm-hmm. and kings had thrones. So maybe this is simply a uh, a way of giving a finite <coughs> image of a place where God sits as a king over mm-hmm. these people that that's what I, that's what else are supposed that. to come that's a little exactly. bit later. That, that's a synonym. The throne of glory is kind of a synonym saying this is God making us think, okay, we can't visualize God. We can't have no idea what God looks like. But we can visualize a throne of authority. And as Carrie says, the throne of authority, okay, this is what governed people back in that time and therefore, that's symbolic of what this whole idea of God is. Now, getting back to the, 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 the legal question, you know, by making laws. I mean, we're famous for making laws when there's no reason to make them. <laughs> right. Let's be honest about it. Yeah. And we're also famous for making laws to answer a specific problem, not realizing the multitude of other problems which we will therefore, thereby be creating by making that law. Right. It happens all the time. Mm-hmm. That's why the books are so thick. Mm-hmm. Um, Perhaps when he wrote it, it doesn't say he wrote the entire Torah. I mean, it could have been a, a living document until Sinai. I mean, mm-hmm. he maybe maybe started with, you know, it. I mean, it's clear. Hmm. It's clear from the get go that that God does expect to be obeyed. You know, even when Adam had free reign of the. Of God, Aiden, he was supposed to play by the rules, so it's clear that God had some rules in mind from the get-go. Maybe it, we just compiled a thick book along the way till Sinai, at which point, at least according to Maimonides, it will not be rewritten. Um, and, yeah, the end. Right. I mean, there's a, there's a whole host of questions that, that, that this raises for me, right? The, the, the notion of God's authority is, is 
not quite as problematic. But the the notion of because um, I I think to Harry's point I think I can I I can you know really see why uh, what what the rabbis were getting at by that the Torah is a little bit more challenging because um, first it it that you know seems to imply um, that uh, that the rabbis believed uh, that the Torah was God's ultimate truth right? in other words there was no other way of um, uh, that the Torah was sort of like the ultimate um, uh, uh, you know, pathway laid out by God, right? No other pathway is the right pathway. Um, if you know, the Torah is this sort of like like original piece of creation. That's one thing. <clears throat> the second thing, which is really problematic about it, is the Torah contains you know all these stories, right? About you know Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Noah, right? Moses, in which a lot of it, children of Israel, in which a lot of those people. Um, you, you know, at least in the narrative of those stories, seem to ha- to be acting in accordance with with free will, right? So, you know, wh- like why is Abraham's journey important if it's not undertaken uh, uh, in free will? Why is Moses responding to God's call to go to Pharaoh uh, significant if Moses doesn't ultimately decide he's got to go? I mean, God commands him, of course, but uh, uh, but God doesn't. You know, God doesn't pick him up and bring him to Egypt. Moses has to actually walk on the journey. And there's, you know, there's a scene where uh, uh, Moses uh, is confronted by God in the in the desert, uh, perhaps because he's looking to abdicate that journey. So there's there's all these moments, and, and we learn from the. And by the way, and, and and the commandments are predicated on this notion that we act according to free to free will. But if God wrote the Torah before all those stories. What does that say about free will? It goes out the window. Predestination, if that's the case. Right. All those things were designed by God to, to lead us to wherever the Torah leads us in the end, in which case none of the characters in the Bible have free will. Which also, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's what I was thinking when you were saying that before, that what happens to free will if the Torah was created before the world was created um, and then, it, I mean, it makes, it makes certain parts of the Torah really problematic, right? Like what we read this past Shabbat, right? The rape of Dina. Mm. I mean, right. right? If that and the murder of an entire, you know, kingdom of people was preordained, right? Right. But I actually, right, right. In other words, like God could have play, played that out differently if God were writing the script if, to begin with. Right? Right, yeah. And if we believe in a God that's good, then how, Right. Um, but I tend to agree that's, with Nancy. That's, that's loaded with. Boom. Uh, exactly. I mean, it's I mean, on fire. Sure is. Yeah. You just jump to the Holocaust, and all of a sudden you got sure. a huge problem. Right. Right. I mean, it brings. No, go ahead. Finish. Uh, I mean, just quickly. You know, if if you can read Bereshit as you know a gerund, right? while the world was be- being created, mm-hmm. in the creation of the world, then why can't you read this that way? You know, was the Torah created, you know, in a finite manner before right. the world was created? Or, as Nancy said, is it something that evolved for a bit, right? right. I mean, and I would certainly prefer to read it that way because I would not, I'm kind of in favor right. of free will, yeah. Well, the, here's, uh, you know, I, I, um, people wrote this. Right. Right, right. right. So, 
me, that's a huge jump you just made. If, if, if people wrote this, and you want to treat this with the same... Oh. Uh, and look, view it the same way you do the Torah, this just became something holy, as opposed to just the machinations of a bunch of guys sitting around the table, <laughs> which is what I, the picture I have in my mind. Yeah, I mean, I wonder if it could be. I wonder if there's some gray area in between there, but yeah. <laughs> um, but here's here's what I was thinking with that because I I think that there's there's a there's a really good point to be made uh, with respect to that. Uh, um, my friend Jim Somerville at, at First Baptist um, was talking with me one time about um, his sense of 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 what uh, what heaven is like, okay, um, and what it what it means. Um, he's talking about like, like resurrection and like all sorts of things, and the 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 terminology he used I thought was like very worthwhile. He said, you know, imagine time, okay? It's linear, right? So starts here and we're chugging along, you know. In each iteration of our life, we occupy, you know, if we're like in the spans of time, we occupy like this much time. But we're, we're just sort of like chugging along year after year after year. But imagine that there's actually more dimensions than that. And, um, uh, and, and, um, and you're able to sort of transcend that kind of linear progression of time. Then, um, uh, then, then what? Then here and here, which to us are past and present and future, um, are actually just those things from our particular vantage point. And there's a plane in which you can sort of like look at that expanse in a different way um, and transcend all of it, right? So in that sense, um, yeah, maybe the Torah is perpetually being written. Um, uh, we, from our vantage point, might have the sense, or the rabbis from their vantage point might have the sense, okay, it was written in this moment of time. But from God's vantage point, it's actually being written uh, everywhere at all times yeah. in an ongoing way, mm-hmm. right? So we have the, you know, our, our, our image of it is one thing, but the reality of it is another thing. Um, in which case, free will continues to exist because God didn't determine it, right? God is writing it as those things are happening, right. so to speak, right? But we perceive it as having been written in the past um, because it's already a thing that we, that we hold. Interesting. Yeah. That is excellent. Um, I have a hard time getting my hands around that. Yeah. Because it's a finite thing. book and um, it hasn't been amended since whenever the last entry was made as far as we know, right? Yeah, so I think that there are different ways of looking at its finitude. Um, In one sense, you're right. You know, there are words on, 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 there's ink on parchment and that ink on parchment is the same now as it was, as far as we know, a few thousand years. Right. Um, now, we, we don't really have manuscripts of Torah older than like the 11th century. Um, so we're not 
positive that that's the case, but let's say at least for a thousand years, we, you know, the, so in that sense, you're right. It's finite. But in another sense, it's totally infinite and always evolving, right? So what we're, what? Hold on. So what we're, what we're reading right now is a perfect example of that because, you know, this is a, this is a, a line we're, we're just looking at the first three words of Genesis and already we've come up with, uh, you know, a half dozen in, uh, understandings of what that verse of what that verse is saying. All of them are true. Right. None of them is some of them we might find more compelling than others, you know, or more that speak to us more significantly than others, uh, at least right now in this time and place. Um, but all of them are true. All of them are in the Torah. Right. So in that sense, it's actually infinite or close to infinite and and always evolving because we can all I could always read those first three words of Genesis again and come up with a totally new interpretation that these rabbis didn't even anticipate or know about because my experience and my understanding is different than theirs. So in that sense, the, the Torah is is totally infinite. Well, that I, that I the Torah is there. It's the interpretation of the Torah. I, I guess. I mean, uh, to me, those are the same thing because there's no. Um, uh, it's 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 along the lines of this. Uh, the um, 20th century philosopher uh, Derrida said, um, uh, "Nothing exists outside the text." So what that means is that uh, that within the text itself are all of those infinite things which means uh, that the text itself is infinite, right? It's not bound in the way that you think it's bound by the, by the ink on the page. It looks like that, but it's actually much, much richer and deeper and evolved, like inherent in the text itself. So it's, it's not a finite thing, right? It's, it's actually an infinite thing. It just looks like a finite thing. Um, so same thing, by the way, with each of us, right? We look like finite things, um, uh, we have this, you know, this matter that we're made of. It's like what Yoda says, right? Uh, you know, luminous beings are we, not this crude matter, right? So, but that's, but he's, Yoda is absolutely right about that, right? We are actually way more than just uh, the, you know, these husks of, of flesh that are sitting right in front of us. We're, we're actually infinite beings. We just perceive each other as being these limited finite beings that sometimes bump into each other. Um, all right, do we have time to, yeah, we have time to go on just a little bit more. Um, Franklin, you want to read the patriarchs? Oh, the patriarchs, Israel, the temple, and the name of the, the uh, Messiah were decided to be created. Okay, so we remember there were six things, two of which were created and four of which were uh, determined to be created, at some, right? So the idea was there, and we'll put a pin in that, right? Uh, and the four things are the patriarchs, Israel, Israel the temple, and the name of the Messiah. Israel here, by the way, is not the state of Israel, um, but the people of Israel, right? The Jewish people, okay? All right, so how do we know the patriarchs were? As it says in Hosea 9 to 10, like grapes in the wilderness and so forth. How do we know, how do we know Israel was? As it says, Psalm 74-2, Remember your congregation whom you purchased from old. 
How do we know? What, how, what, is that, what does that mean? Right. Remember, the remember your congregation whom you purchased from old. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's, uh, why not look at, uh, let's read all the verses and then we can go back and look at them. Okay. So. Um, how do we know the temple, how, how do we know the temple was? As it says in Jeremiah 17 to 12, your throne of glory on high from the beginning, etc. How do we know the name of the, how, how do we know the name of Messiah was? As it says, Psalm 72, 17, may his name exist forever. Okay. okay. All right. Let's look at those verses because those are all actually kind of um, uh, complicated verses. So the first is about the patriarchs, and it's Hosea chapter 9, verse 10. Uh, in my Bible, uh, that will be it's in yours too, and yours also, Franklin. Um, 9, 10 is uh, 995. You see where we are? Everybody? Yeah? Okay. Um, uh, yeah, that's the beginning of the chapter. Um, so, uh, uh, as is common in Hosea, uh, this is a, uh, a prophecy of, of admonition toward Israel, right? You're, you're not doing the right thing. Uh, not only common in Hosea, but in a lot of the prophets. Um, uh, and um, uh, uh, usually, by the way, uh, related to sins having to do either with idolatry uh, or disloyalty to God or uh, interpersonal injustice or social injustice uh, or, or a combination thereof. Sometimes those are the same thing. I'm not exactly sure here what, what it is, but in any event, it's going to be one of those things. And what's common in Hosea is that uh, he uses um, like marital imagery, um, uh, relational imagery. Um, he probably had some marital troubles in his own life. Um, and, um, and so he, he sort of uh, layers his prophecies with, um, with, with that imagery as well. So you see, um, you know, the... Um, uh, um, as you see at the beginning of, of chapter 9 rejoice not O Israel as other peoples exult for you have strayed away from God you have lo loved a harlot's fee by every threshing floor of new grain right so, uh, so you've, you, you know, you've been uh, worshipping other gods uh, in celebrating your harvest and things like that alright okay skip ahead to, uh, uh, to verse 10 which is what we're looking at here Okay, I found Israel as pleasing as grapes in the wilderness. Your fathers seemed to me like the first fig to ripen on a fig tree. And the, um, the, the, you see a note there at the bottom. I actually don't have the Hebrew here. Uh, well, I have the Hebrew here, so I can pull it up. Um, but you see the note at the bottom is that uh, like a ripe fig in a wilderness of waste. That's probably where the Midrash is coming from, 
right? This notion uh, that uh, the, the the wilderness of waste idea, right? That there was that that the fathers, the forefathers, uh, were created before there was anything, right? That God. Yeah, this that, one says waterless waste. So a what yeah. waste? Waterless. Waterless waste. So, yeah. yeah. So right, but there's no water in the. Uh, so let's see if I look up Hosea here in the Hebrew. Here we go, chapter nine. Verse 10. Right. Ka'anavim bamibar matsati Yisrael, kivikura bitena bereshita ra'iti avotechem. Okay. Um, uh, so, uh, I, like grapes in the wilderness, I found Israel, like uh, first fruits of the, of the fig tree in its uh, inception. So that may be it, right? Bereshita, right? Right, Bereshit, right? In its beginning, um, I saw your fathers. Him uh, about, all right, okay, so that, that's, that's uh, it's interesting, you know, in a waterless waste, um, or, but here is the, the, that, that's the, that's the, uh, it's actually much more clear if you look at the Hebrew where the Midrash is, Bereshita, right? I, I found your fathers in the beginning, right? Okay, so, um, so that's the, where the uh, rabbis say that uh, we learn that the, that the patriarchs were created at the beginning of the world, okay? How do we know Israel was? As it says in Psalms, okay? So Psalms uh, 74.2. Uh, 1193 in the JPS. Why, O God, do you forever reject us? Do you fume in anger at the flock that you tend? Remember the community you made yours long ago, your very own tribe that you redeemed, Mount Zion where you dwell. So it's that idea that your community that you made yours long ago uh, it, it says here that you purchased from old, but the um, uh, uh, purchased is uh, made yours is better. Kanita is even uh, you, you, Kanita could be uh, that you created, right? So we say that in the Amidah we say um, uh, 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 right? God the God the patriarchs. Um, uh, right, so that God is a, a work, a doer of 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 uh, of deeds of loving kindness, and the the kone hakol, the creator of everything, and that remembers the love of of the patriarchs. Okay, so that's what, probably what kone here is taken to mean that God created uh, the. Um, uh, the, the people of Israel long ago, okay? So say what you will about that midrash. It's a, it seems like it might be a little bit of a stretch, but that's what they want to say, right? So in other words, right, this is a good, um, a good indication of the fact that the, the midrashists aren't necessarily concerned with like what the right interpretation is of that verse from Psalms. What they want to show is that Israel was created at the beginning of the world. They're using it as a proof text. They're using it as a proof text. Now, the question to ask is, why does that matter to them? 
Not the proof text question. The proof text matters because they want authority to it. But why does it matter to them that, that the Jewish people was created at the beginning of the world? Why is that important? Not necessarily well, to... Consistent with being chosen, I guess, to use a phrase. Yeah, it, it is consistent, but why couldn't they be chosen later? Why can't God just see what, what happens? And then if there's, you know... It gives us a purpose if it makes us... If we're foundational, if we were intended to be created at the beginning of the world, then we, we have a special purpose. Right. Yeah, I think you're right. You know, there's, there's something uh, about the, the fabric of existence itself that depends on the Jewish people. So let's, uh, let's just hold on that. Um, because I think that that's enough to, to chew on for this week, uh, that uh, something in the fabric of existence itself depends on each of you. Uh, and uh, if you know what that is. It's really uh, nice to leave on a nice light On a light uh, note. Soft yeah. Yeah, Just yeah, be yeah. careful what you do in the next few <laughs> days. Because the world depends on you. Anyway, I will, uh, unless there are other thoughts or questions that uh, people want to raise, we'll, we'll pause there. See, I think with the patriarchs in Israel, I think it's another one that he, if, if, those were the ones that was um, decided upon, but a pin was put in it. Maybe it was like, you know, when he was doing the initial parts of creating, he put a pin in those things too. Like when I auditioned a new band of, of high schoolers, I, I know that I'm going to have a captain. Mm-hmm. And I know that I'm going to have some section leaders. I don't know which ones. Mm-hmm. They will sort of present themselves to me. Mm-hmm. But um, but do you know they're going to be so raunchy like the uh, patriarchs are as they <laughs> start to uh, melt it down, man. <laughs> uh, we're talking about teenagers, right? <laughs> I think they're you can re- re- reasonably raunchy. expect that they're going to be raunchy. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, maybe it's like that. Like I know I'm going to need some some scaffolding, mm. um, but I don't know. Maybe it doesn't mean it was they were predestined. So in other words, it, this may not be talking about specific people, but rather a category of thing that God needs, right? So God knows that God is going to need a chosen people. They're going to need founders of that people, and they're going to need the people themselves. Um, Just sort of scaffolds. Hmm. I don't know. Yeah. That's what I thought. Yeah. Is it's also I think I mean going back a second if you look at the trajectory of these things right so it's it's the patriarchs Israel temple name of the Messiah mm-hmm. so it's um, it's the you know, they're all related to um, to Israel and Israel's purpose within the fabric of existence leading to ultimate purpose mm-hmm. right ultimate purpose is is messianic redemption right. Um, first cause is the patriarchs, right? So they sort of like get that ball rolling. They pass it on to a people that has a particular mission. Um, That mission is temporarily uh, fulfilled in the course of uh, worship in the temple and then then projected into the future. And by the way, the the temple also, uh, I think, indicates a couple things. One is like what that people does in the process of living in this world. And also it's, I think, symbolic also of destruction, right? Because you can't, the rabbis here don't bring up the temple. These are rabbis who live 400 years after the destruction of the temple. They're not bringing up the temple thinking about a building that's still standing. They're bringing up a building that has been destroyed because of our sins, right? Um, so uh, so when they bring that up, they're saying, um, you know, uh, uh, 
how do what do we as this chosen people do in the uh, in the course of a world that is filled with brokenness uh, symbolized by the temple to bring it to a place where it can ultimately be restored in the name of the Messiah, the perfection of the world that God uh, created uh, uh, and started but but did not complete and is waiting for us to complete. Right? I think that that's a piece of it too. It's all a band, right? You're going to have mm. your band, that's the whole world, and then you're going to have the chosen people, those are your leaders of the band and the patriarchs, the, mm. like the head leader. And then you need a podium to stand on because I expect them to follow me, and that's the throne of glory. Mm. And then I need the music to play, that's the Torah. It's all music. Right? Yeah. yeah. Very nice. It's I like the whole it. Thing. There you go. Amen. Right. Messiah is my soloist, and Midrashim is my concert. You. You. The Mashiach is my roadie. That's those are great bumper stickers, by the way. Uh, the Messiah is my soloist. <laughs> uh, the Messiah is my roadie. Um, <laughs> um, all right, we'll stop there. Thanks, everybody.